This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. PJ, it was like being up in Croke Park and Cork winning the All-Ireland for me. The massive problem we have in this country is the shadow economy, the black market. Everything can be controlled, and that's the job of the government. I just wanted to give back. We're all going to be old someday. It's nice to know that there's someone looking out for you. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 The intelligence and the brightness and the analysis of thought that it took to tell us it's going to get worse before it gets better. Oh, yeah, no, I'm back. Good morning. Thanks to Paul uh, for yesterday. 0818 96 96 96. The number, the text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. The email is opinion at 96fm.ie. We'll be touching base with the health situation across the morning. It's it's. Cr- Carnage, absolute carnage out there. The whole county, the whole city is sick. Every second person you meet is down with something. The hospitals are just crumbling, falling apart at the seams. And then we have your man go, no, it's going to get worse before it gets better. I'm sorry. Yeah, crisis upon crisis upon crisis. There was another crisis that we dealt with a lot in 2022 and here it is to bite us on the arse once again on the 4th of January 2023 and this was childcare providers and access to funds and the etchy system and money not coming and money not lending and people having to pay their staff out of their own pocket and Rowena please tell me I'm not reading this right you had to borrow from your family to pay your staff at Christmas Good morning, PJ. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's it's true. I had to borrow from my family, but also from other people as well. 
because um, that's just the reality of the situation that I found myself in. I suppose we knew, you know, things are really bad. It's been chronically underfunded for years. But um, this new core funding has really just brought it to the the front. Um, And this December was definitely the absolute worst for me. I just didn't know I had nothing to do. I had nothing in my bank account. And um, that's, that's the truth of it, you know. The so HE money is supposed to land, isn't it, in your account? Yeah. So you can fund your staff, correct? Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, I suppose as a provider, I don't even think of myself. I haven't had a wage for months, mm-hmm. um, you know. And I work full-time with the children every day as well. I mean, it, it never it never ends, you know. It's, it's, I mean, you, you work so hard, but I suppose that is the reality. I just haven't received a wage myself for so long. I mean, even the way the funding is dished out, it's just impossible to manage anyway, if it was enough. I mean, we got paid the 18th of November and there's nothing again until January the 6th. Um, I think all my family are even waiting for January the 6th, will it ever come? Because I owe um, so much, you know, I'm in so much in debt. I'll be playing catch up now. You know, obviously, without even all the debt that I have to pay back, I, there's insurance due. I have massive revenue bills, PAY, you know, PAYE, the PRSI, not to even mention restocking, hand towels, paper, soap, wipes, tissues, you name it, you know. Um, even yesterday, sure, it never ends. You know, I was lucky enough, my husband's off, we were pressure washing yesterday. And, um, you know, there's always, a, you know, there's no single holiday, you're always getting ready, of course. I know. But, um, and I'm lucky my husband's working that I he was able to help me out. But um, I even had to get help from, from other people as well. It's it's devastating. It really, really is devastating. For people who wouldn't be familiar with it, Rowena, even though, look, we covered this over and over <coughs> during 2022, but some people <coughs> may need a recap. So the ECCE scheme, that's the, the free scheme, as it were, yeah. that people get to put their children in for a year or two. You get paid from that scheme it's meant to cover the cost. It doesn't. <laughs> That's exactly it. And I suppose well, my business would be the most effect, one of the business most affected. You know, small and medium sized um, preschools um, like mine really are most affected. If the funding is just not enough, you know, I mean, we've been campaigning, we've been trying. You know, I'm a member of the, the Federation. Um, I mean, Elaine Dunn has been doing just incredible, amazing mm. work. She never mm. stops. Um, it just doesn't seem like there's anybody listening. I mean, you know, I mean, the last time the EEC capitation was raised was just too long. 2018 was the last time it was raised, and 69 euros per child. And never mind with the, you know, with infl- inflation and everything, it's just not enough. So 69 euro per child per week, yeah, yeah. To, to cover how many hours, Rowena? To cover three hours. To cover three hours, but sure, you we all. So is that per day or per week? Per week. Per, w- per child, yeah. Okay, so three hours per child per week, 69 euro, that's what, 23 euro per hour, and that's meant to cover what? That is meant to, that's meant to cover everything. I saw all our overheads are insured, everything. We get absolutely nothing else. Um, we're, we can't ask the parents for, for more, you know, unless it's approved first, uh, like you can say for a school tour, for example, or for, you know, different things that have to be approved and um, it just, you don't get it. You know, there's optional extra that you're allowed to charge for. 
which are, are very small. I mean, we were asking the department to raise this to 76 euros per child, mm. which is just 7 euros per child. Now, this is just an interim measure. We were hoping we might we got that and it would definitely have taken us out of the dire straits that we would have been, we found ourselves mm. in Christmas, you know. So out of the out of the 13 at the 23 euro per hour has to come the wage of the person caring and looking after the child the has to come yeah. the insurance has to keep the lights on has to keep the heating on absolutely everything absolutely everything and solely funded by that funding nothing else you know never mind equipment you know uh, i mean with small children everything gets broken and you replace things we're always doing things it, it's just not enough. It's just, you know, we're just in so much jeopardy of closing now. I mean, lots of services have closed already, which mm. is very, very sad. I mean, if services like mine continue to close, I suppose parent, parental choice will be gone. I don't think the department are looking at the bigger picture here at all, you know. I, it's very clear now that they don't want small services like mine. You you mentioned Elaine, and I've spoken Mm -hmm. to Elaine many times, and every time I talk to her, she mentions little businesses like yours, and she said they are falling off at the rate of a couple a month, a couple a week. And we're not hearing anything about it most of the time. That's it, yeah. I mean, I hear it all the time, uh, you know, colleagues, and very, and it's very sad. And I'm, you know, afraid I'm going to have to be one of them. I just want to. It's the last thing I want to do. I love what I have here. My preschool is very small. It's in my home. You know, I'm, I'm full. I'm booked out till 2025. I have long waiting lists every year, but it, it means nothing because I have no money. And that's the reality of the situation, I suppose. Yeah. It's very hard. And there seems to be no making, it's Roderick Gorman is the minister in charge, there seems to be no making him understand where you're coming from. All you get is this usual spun out nonsense about, oh, we're investing more through core funding. And as Elaine said to me, it looks great on paper, the numbers look fabulous on paper, Mm -hmm. but in the reality of it, you had to borrow money to pay your staff. Absolutely. And me and hundreds more like me. I thought it was just me. I suppose I thought, oh, what am I doing? I can't manage and I have to borrow. Now, who am I going to borrow from? But it seems to be, it's definitely not just me, you know. There's loads of other small and medium-sized services like mine who have no money in their bank accounts and are struggling since this new core funding. I mean, we welcomed the core funding. We were waiting for it. Mm -hmm. We were so Mm -hmm. excited, waiting for it to land. We thought for once we're going to get the recognition we deserve. You know, um, we just thought it was going to be amazing. And unfortunately, it did. It looked after the very big providers and also the staff, which is wonderful. You know, the staff are being looked after now with the ERO rating. They deserve it. But the providers here have been totally forgotten. We are literally expected to provide the scheme for free. And I am now funding a government scheme, you know, out of my own personal funds that, that I don't have. Must be awful... I'm going to use the word, and I don't know how this feels, Rowena, so please, you know, it must be embarrassing to sit in front of friends and say, I need money to pay my staff. It's very embarrassing. I mean, they get it, I think, um, you know, but it is very embarrassing. It's it's demoralising. It's really embarrassing. And I suppose they know how hard I work, that I can't, you know, I'm so busy. They'd often ring me. I wouldn't have time to talk. I mean, I'm so busy all day, every day. And to get nothing at the end of it is very, very hard. It's devastating, to be honest with you. I really don't know. Will you last? Yeah. Will you last? Um, 
I'm not going through another Christmas like I went through. I can't continue like this. I mean, my family know that. I said this time it's even had a, you know, an impact on the whole family. I suppose the worry about me and that that kind of thing. I don't want to close, but I can't see past June. If I can hang on till June, I will be absolutely delighted. Um, and I, unless something changes, I can't. I just can't. And I've said that to the minister. I have wrote to him. We've been up there. We've been speaking to them. Elaine has been speaking on our behalf. I don't want to close, but I think they want to close us down. I don't think they want the very small educational um, services like mine. You know, and so. when you sit in front of a minister, in front of someone who's trousering <laughs> 200 grand a year, oh, and you tell hard. him you can't pay your staff at Christmas, <clears throat> and you get this kind of, I'm sorry now, this kind of a patronising nod, all they don't do is <laughs> pat you on the head and say, well done, Rowena. How does <laughs> that feel? Oh, it's, it's devastating. It's the only word for it. It's devastating. He seems a nice man and he takes it down and whatever, but I think he closed the book and we're gone. And I mean, the lack of, the lack of recognition is, is very obvious, you know. Um, he's just, he's saying, hang in there. I mean, hang in there. I mean, would you hang like to there. hang in there for your wages, you know? It's That's like that other gob dog going, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, and that's exactly what we're kind of being told. But are they really aware? I think they are aware. I don't know. Are they aware of the actual dire straits that providers like me are in? I mean, I don't want to close my doors. I really don't. I'm in a rural area here as well. Um, you know, there's not many other choices for parents. They'll have to travel travel further. Um, a lot of my parents have wrote to the minister as well on my behalf, which I think was very nice of them. In, in fairness, it's been there's been massive support from the parents. They don't want me to close. Um, but I suppose, um, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. I don't know. At the 6th of January is all I'm waiting for, which is nearly here. And at least then I will feel I can restart to repay people that I've borrowed for, uh, that I have to borrow, borrow over Christmas. I'll repay them immediately. And then after that, I will um, start to offset revenue costs and insurance and wait again then. Um, for the, and then, of course, we're, uh, before I know it, it'll be the summer and we don't get paid during the summer. So it'll, it's just, it's very difficult. All right. Rowena, it's well, funny. Sorry to be so negative. No, you're okay. You Do you know, know what? Do you know what? There's an awful lot of old Happy New Year stuff going on at the moment. And it's nice. It's lovely. But for some people, Happy New Year, the response isn't many happy returns is. The response is chance to be a fine thing. Yeah, I know. And I hate being negative, but um, yeah, that's the reality of my situation anyway. And many others. Rowena, thank you. And I do hope it all works out for you. Thank you so much. That's Rowena Fisher, who owns Phil's Preschool in Coachford. No money until the 6th of January. And then she'll just have to pay back the debts of the money she's borrowed to pay her staff for Christmas. Yeah. 0818 96 96 96. Thank you for listening across the year. Here's one of our highlights. What mystery from your childhood have you finally solved many, many years later? Honestly, I kid you not, I was 34 before I realised that mice do not grow up to be rats. Casey and Ross in the morning. Back Monday, January 9th. You can now order your 231 electric Skoda Enyaq from Noel DC Cars. Skoda Sales Dealer of the Year. Exclusively Skoda in the City. Quartz 96 FM.
Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96FM. Jim, you're next up on the radio in just about one minute from now. Um, opinion. PJ, our, our oldest started ECCE in September and they're outstanding there. Our child didn't go to crash early, just minded by family. The staff know the kids so well, bring out their personalities and meet each child at their own level. So important for the small people in this country. Uh, thank you. And Rowena's story would just make you so angry. You know, do I this old heartbreaking nonsense? Uh, people say, oh, heartbreaking and it's this and it's... It's not. It would make you so angry to listen to that golf going on. On the shortage of doctors and people who are so sick and trying to get into hospital and the queues and the overcrowding. And if you want to be part of that conversation, 0818 96 96 96. Particularly, I'd love to hear what you think of a fella who trousers 200 grand a year standing in front of us telling us it's going to get worse before it gets better. It's already a war zone. Jim says, I can't get an appointment with a doctor at the moment. There's so many people sick. I understand, but it's going to happen from time to time. Just goes to show we're at breaking point, and a small bit of flu leaves us with no cover whatsoever. All of our doctors and nurses are in Australia or the Middle East, and people don't realise we've lots of hospital beds that are actually closed because they don't have the staff. You couldn't respect the government because they can't get the basics right. I just call them the Three Stooges. Fifty years they've been saying the health service will get worse before it gets better, what's going on? Just how bad does it have to actually get? Is another. Actually, Mary Harney said it was going to get worse before it would get better. Michal Martin said it was going to get worse before it would get better. They all said it was going How much flipping worse does it have to get? Join that conversation. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Jim, morning to you. Good morning, PJ. What happened to your daughter? Explain this to me now for someone who's a bit thick and doesn't quite get it. Yeah, it's a very frustrating situation, very upsetting. Um, My daughter's mum is French and she moved back to France during the pandemic because her business uh, was in trouble, so that was fine. My daughter decided to stay here to do the leaving cert. So Mm -hmm. she goes goes back and forth to France uh, regularly to see her mother and the French family. And... um, in September this year, her mother booked return flights for Christmas with Swiss Air, Cork, Geneva. Fantastic. They don't go, I think they're only a couple of times a week, but mm. very convenient. Uh, that, seemingly, that was great. Um, unfortunately, then two weeks before Christmas, um, uh, my daughter's aunt passed away in France after a long illness. Okay. And in, in rush, we had to book tickets uh, via Dublin to go over uh, a week early. Okay. So, go on. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so that was um, that was on the 16th of December. So um, my daughter went over for the funeral on that day, actually on the 16th, and because school was pretty much up, she said she, there was no point in coming back to go to fly back out again on Christmas Eve mm. because her, her, her Swiss air flights were Christmas Eve over and New Year's Eve back. I see. And uh, so uh, anyway... They had a bittersweet Christmas, I suppose. And uh, on Friday last there, the 30th, my uh, daughter's mother went to check her in online on the Swiss Air website and the check-in was refused. So she couldn't understand it. And um, she, uh, so she rang them, 
whatever number was available and uh, she spoke to their so-called high-quality customer service, which as it transpired, I found from a subsequent conversation with them, was in about six or seven time zones ahead of us, someplace in Asia. Mm. And uh, they told her that basically, because Lily uh, hadn't flown out on the outward leg, her return journey was cancelled. And they justified it by saying it was in the terms and conditions when booking the flight. Can I ask one question, Jim? Yeah. Um, and I don't know, I've never booked with, with Twisair, so you, it's, did she buy as return or did she buy two separate she, flights? Yeah, no, no she, she booked as return and that's, that's something that, that's interesting because I've, I've travelled a lot for business over the last 30 years, a lot to France for various reasons and, um, you know, it's, it seemed to me that the whole issue of return flight concept had sort of become, you know, defunct, had sort of disappeared and most flights were single you know, two single legs, but um, whether which with with Swissair it was a return flight that was booked. Now, uh, I subsequently went online to check their thing about uh, it being in the terms and conditions. And I went through the process of booking a flight, return flight to Geneva, uh, up to the point of paying. So it involved about seven or eight web pages, as you know yourself from booking stuff online, sites online, uh, until you finally at the end get to a terms and conditions page. And I clicked on just, uh, most of us are guilty, I think, of not going through that level of detail. You assume everything is, you know, hunky-dory. You book your flight, you pay for your flight, you've got your flight. But anyway, I clicked on uh, the terms and conditions, and there was a page with 15 topic headings. And the third heading, after going through the first two, was tickets. And I clicked on that, and on the page for tickets, there was a, a further page with 20 clauses. Okay, I read through the 20 clauses and at the 18th clause it said, please note that should you not show up for a flight without advising us in advance, we may cancel any reservations you have for your return flight or onward flight. Okay. So so you really have had to, known that that was the situation and gone looking for it. You know, yeah. I think in, in fairness, people booking flights don't read through reams and reams um, of of terms no, and they don't. No, they don't. And that's buried so far down the yeah. list that it's not something you think of. Now, the only thing I would think of, Jim, is when, and obviously condolences mm. on, on mm. the loss of her auntie and all of that, and it's it's a fraught situation. You don't think of these things. You hear yeah. of a relative who's passed away. You don't start reading terms and conditions of your originally yeah. booked flights to know... You know, you don't, no, do you? No, absolutely. And I think the, the, the thing here is that, you know, we paid for the flights. Yes. Our, mother, our mother paid for the flights. Pay, uh, so the seat was paid for. And to a certain extent, whether you actually sit in it or not, it might be a, an advantage to them that you don't because they're not paying for the fuel to carry you. Yeah. So what what justification there is there for, for cancelling it? That's actually a, a very good point. The seat is paid for. Yeah. So, so So, yes, it was empty on the way out. But they still got paid for that, and it yeah. was going to be occupied. They were so they've taken they've taken your money. Yeah, no, absolutely. They, they've taken. Now the the thing here, what's even more frustrating is the, the series of phone calls on Friday afternoon. You can imagine the panic. Her mother got on to me saying, "Well, look, they, what they said to to her was that if you supply the debt certificate, we'll refund you the ticket." And oh, she, yeah. And, and and she she didn't know what to do, so she got on to me, and I rang them, 
And that's where I found out that they were in a, a different time, time zone. I spoke to a first chap who was, uh, had a South African accent. He was a nice chap. I imposed upon him the, you know, the, the, the situation, the unfairness of the situation. And he conceded that, look, if you send the death certificate, um, there is availability on the flight. We should be able to reinstate her. So he said, Do, send the death certificate by email and ring us back in an hour, which we did. And I rang back. I got on to somebody else who didn't know anything about this situation. And Never get back to the same person no, twice is another absolutely. nuisance. Yeah. And that's where I found out that um, that they were in a different time zone because um, they said it was one o'clock in the morning and for us it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. So I, I then asked to speak to a supervisor, which you know you're banging your head against the wall because they said, no, there's no supervisor available. Uh, and they said, you just have to wait for the Swiss Air to email you back to confirm, and then you can ring us back. And then, and I said, well, that's pretty open-ended. You know, this, is, this was now, at this stage, it was maybe half four or five o'clock, and Lily was supposed to fly the next morning from Geneva at about half ten. Yeah. And I said, it's getting very close to the bone. What are we going to do? So we heard nothing from them, no email reply, nothing. And by... Half seven in the evening, I had researched and found a flight with Aer Lingus via Dublin. So she would go uh, Lyon uh, to uh, to Dublin, mm-hmm. which which was okay. It wasn't a ridiculously expensive flight. The, the, the frustrating thing is I had kept looking on the Swiss Air uh, website as if I was booking a flight on the or a seat on the flight that that morning that Lily was supposed to fly, and they still had availability, but they were charging five hundred euro per seat. <sighs> Yeah. So and and her friend that was she was due to travel with did fly back on that flight, and he said it wasn't full. God. Yeah. So we luckily, as I said, we luckily did find a flight, but an awful lot of stress. And as you can imagine, you know, it was the end of a, a sort of a bittersweet, traumatic enough uh, yeah. two week period, and it was the last day with her mom before she flew back here, and the whole thing was thrown up in the air. And then besides that, she had to get up and at six o'clock or five o'clock in the morning, get to Lyon airport and then take a bus back instead of, you know, uh, landing back in Cork at 12 o'clock in the afternoon uh, as she was scheduled to do. And Swiss Air finally emailed us on Monday, so two days after the event, saying, so sorry to hear about uh, your loss. And uh, if you, you know, we have the, we received the death certificate and we will proceed to refund the ticket. Someone is calling here to say, Jim, it's a, it's a rule with all airlines. If you don't travel out, it's classed as a no-show and return is automatically cancelled. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure about that. Uh, you know, that person is saying that I've flown an awful lot. Uh, I had a period of time where I was booking an awful lot of flights back and forth to France and I would take different legs of the flights for various reasons. At the time, it might have been cheaper to book re- return flights. Yes. And I never had that issue. I've spoken since with a friend of mine who's a very well-travelled businessman, and he thought it was mind-blowing. And whether or which, PJ, and here's the, the, the punchline, that if they had just sent an email on the day we missed the flight yeah. to say, we are going to cancel your return leg, or are you still going to take your return leg? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no logical justification, even if it is, as your other um, uh, listener is saying, yeah. uh, a rule with all... Why would you not give people the information up front? I mean, I've been travelling, as I said, for 30 years, and it's the first time I've seen this happen. Yeah. No, it's a very good point. 
It's a super point because an airline does have a thing called, and I'm sure you've come across it, mm. a no-show certificate. Right, yeah, yeah. Because uh, yeah. I, I remember I went after... I, I, I named them out because in 2020, when we didn't travel on our summer holidays, uh, I went after Ryanair for the cost yeah. of my tickets, uh, and I got it. Yeah, <laughs> I did get it, but um, they, they had I had to get from them a thing called a, a no-show cert, and they were quite willing, quite willing to give it to me. Yeah, you know, in fact, they gave it to me by, by return email. Yeah, no. Uh See, I think it depends. I mean, my my feeling about this is that, you know, there are a number of layers of issues, but ultimately Swiss Air have no customer service or none worth talking about. Mm. You have nobody to come to. And as I I said uh, a minute ago, the simplest thing in the world would be just to send the passenger an email. Yes. Yes. Or indeed, you have to give them uh, a mobile number when you send them an SMS. Yeah, and say, uh, you know, and, and why not give people the option, uh, are you going to take the return flight? Yeah. Thanks very we, much. We, we, note, we note that you haven't boarded your outgoing flight. Mm. Um, do you intend to take the return flight? Mm. And then yeah. if they click yes, then you leave yeah. it alone. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, finding out the day before and you're in a flat panic and your back's against the wall and if it hadn't been for the Aer Lingus, uh, Leon Dublin flight, we would have been paid 500 euro for, to get it back. Ridiculous. Jim, thank you for that. And I hope everyone is um, okay after that traumatic few days. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks very much, PJ, for, for talking to you. Thank yeah. you. 0818969696. Yeah, they are. Someone is saying here, I'll read it in a sec. Airlines are a law unto themselves. I, I did back in 2020 when we had to cancel all of our summer holidays because of the pandemic. I noticed in my travel insurance just a little glitch uh, that I thought. I'm going after Ryanair to get me ticket prices back. And it was using this particular little glitch in the terms of my insurance. I got it back. But in the course of looking for it back, I had to build about three foot of paperwork on the table. I was just doing this out of sheer boneheadedness. I wasn't giving up. I had to get a thing called a no-show certificate. And they gave me an email address and said, go get that, the insurance company, go get that. And if you can get that, we'll refund the money. So I got it. It was the easiest part of the whole process was to get a no-show, a no-show cert from Ryanair. It's weird. 0818 96 96 96. So you're spot on saying go back to Mary Harney and Michal Martin and so on. But I think you're missing something. The decision makers in the HSE must shoulder a lot of the blame as well. The higher ups, they decide how resources are allocated and they put together plans and they are on big money. They are, and they're on bigger money. They're on bigger money than any minister, to be fair. The new gaffer at the HSE is a man called Bernard Gloucester, who up to a few weeks ago was the gaffer at Tusla. Uh, He moves in to replace Paul Reid and it's an eye-watering telephone number kind of salary. But my view on the politicians versus the management of HSE is, sorry now, but the Department of Health runs the blasted thing. So if the minister isn't in charge, surely Bernard Doster or anyone, Paul Reid before him, surely their boss is the minister. So the minister needs to be saying to Mr. Doster, Bernard, sort it, sort it or else sort you. That's what we need to be doing here. 0818 96 96 96. Now, a happy health story. They're, they are out there. 
they, they are a happy health story, uh, Anya. How how are things? How how is baby? Morning. Everything is great. Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. Will you wait about two minutes and we'll talk all about it after a break? Perfect, no problem. Fantastic. Hear only the freshest hits. Or train harder while we pump out the bangers. The Hit Mix and the Fit Mix are streaming live right now. On the Quartz 96 FM app. Download it today. Download it today. Listen on your smart speaker or go to 96fm.ie. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Quartz 96 FM. So, Anya, tell me the story. You got it. You you came home from hospital Christmas Day after having a baby, but it's a longer story than that. I did. Well, I actually came home on Christmas Eve. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Um, I suppose I've been on with you before, um, just about how long it took us to get here. Yes. Um, seven years, five miscarriages, um, a couple of rounds of IVF, um, and our last embryo, so our seventh embryo, which I didn't think would work, you know, after having five transfers, five miscarriages, um, we just presumed that this was going to be another kind of step and having another miscarriage. And the plan was to move on to a new tr- new round of IVF and kind of start a new protocol to change things up. And we were just going through the motions of doing the transfer to get it over with. But, I don't know, there was some change in our plan. And... We got our little miracle. How brilliant was that? Um, it was a shock, to be honest. Was it? Because, like, for me, a positive pregnancy test, it wasn't a kind of a joyous experience anymore. Um, like, seeing a pregnancy test being positive for us was just, okay, this is another step. Yeah. It was to see how far that the pregnancy would actually go. Um, and I suppose... Like we had the same kind of start as all the other pregnancies in a, in a sense that I had a bleed at the beginning of this pregnancy and I kind of called my husband and I said, it's starting again. Um, we went to the, the hospital and, sorry, we went to Waterstones Clinic at the beginning and they said, look, it's too early to see anything but the pregnancy is in the right place but it was too early to see a heartbeat. Yes. But the bleeding continued so I just presumed... Here we go again. It's it's the same thing, and and to be honest, that's why the the positive pregnancy test it, it it wasn't a joyous thing for us because we had been here so many times before. But the bleeding continued until twelve weeks, so my anxiety was absolutely through the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, but she hung on, and like I don't know, she just wanted to cause a little bit of drama at the beginning, I think, and. We got scans every couple of days between Waterstones and the COMH and it was absolutely, everything was perfect. Her heartbeat was fine after another few days because you can't see a heartbeat till roughly six weeks. And the bleeding had begun before that and all. Obviously with IVF you find out really, really early if you're pregnant or not. Um, It would be a lot earlier than, you know, like someone finding out in a natural pregnancy They'd be able to find out as early as I did. It's just that they wouldn't be looking for it as early as myself. <laughs> you, 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 you used to document stuff on Instagram. 
And, and then you stopped because you got trolled on you. Yeah, I did, and I don't like dwelling on it too much, I suppose. If you put yourself out there, you're going to get some sort of backlash or, you know, not everyone is going to like you, and that's completely fine. But I suppose at the time I was in the middle of my pregnancy, um, like my Instagram page, it, it was solely just to put information out there. Now, I want to say I 100% got back exactly what I put out in a sense that it was so, so helpful for me. Yes. And I know I helped an awful lot of people by documenting it, but I got back that help. And I didn't expect that in the beginning, but I did. Um, but I suppose I was told about a certain web page. Um, yeah, and the one you're talking about. I, ha- I, had seen, I had seen things on it before, and I'm guilty of saying that I looked... Yeah. Um, about myself, which I probably shouldn't have. Yeah. Now it wasn't. I've seen. I've seen things before that are absolutely horrific about other people. That I don't know how they still go on when when there's stuff like that out there yeah. written about. No, them, no, to be let's, let's let's name it. I mean, because I've read it. It's a thing called tattle. Um, it is. It is. And, 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 and to be honest, with you, like I I have a love hate relationship here with the the lads in the proc in that I love them and they pretend to hate me and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but the tattle makes the proc look like a prayer meeting. It's yeah. nasty, and you got nastied on tattle. I did, but again, like I'm not I'm not trying to put it down and or anything. Like the stuff that was written about me wasn't half of what's out there. I know. Um, but I just think I was in a vulnerable position, being in the middle of my pregnancy. And I do. I'm a person. I take everything to heart. I probably shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I care what people think about me. Again, I probably shouldn't. But I felt like I was doing something nice in a sense that I was sharing yeah. the proper ins and outs of IVF yeah. um, and the ins and outs of loss. Yeah. And I was in a good place at the time, in a sense that like, my pregnancy was going in the right way, yeah. and I just felt and then, even and then, if and then people and, want, and to, want to pull you down for it. Come back to the, the 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 medical issues, as it were. The reasons that you had so much trouble conceiving was be, was it twofold? You have PCOS, which can I cause, do. and you're also diabetic. Is that the case? Yes, I'm a type one diabetic and okay. insulin dependent. And yes. between the two, they cause problems, correct? They they weren't the reason for my miscarriages, no. Okay, okay. So there was never really any, I suppose, reason. No, no my first, reason. no, my first uh, pregnancy loss was an ectopic pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So we did really have, um, I suppose, there was a reason for that. The mm-hmm. baby didn't implant oh, in my womb. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was lucky. I didn't need any surgery or anything, and it resolved on its own. Um, my second pregnancy loss was at eleven weeks. Um, there was no explanation for that. The baby grew until the very last day. And the three other ones that I had after that, they were all IVF pregnancies. The first two weren't IVF. I see. The last three then were really early. So as I said, like we would have got our pregnancy, positive pregnancy test. And within a week I was bleeding and I would have lost it that early. Um, so they were all very different. So we never, like mm. they were, the hospital and Waterstones Clinic, they were baffled. They, they, there was no, like I know, it's one in four is the statistics for a miscarriage. So it's quite. There's a lot of people ha- suffer um, miscarriages, but I was gone beyond the one in four. Like I was five at this point, like five losses. Anya, they, can I ask you something? Um, yeah. I, I know I had someone here in my studio a few we- years ago talking about miscarriages, and I asked them the same question. Uh-huh. What motivates you to keep going 
loss after loss after loss. I suppose the end goal never changed for me. Like, I am the youngest of eight kids and I, my dad passed a comment to me recently during my pregnancy that, like, from when I was younger, all I wanted was to have a family. Like, I was always the one with the baby, with the doll, you know, like, I had nieces and nephews really early and I wanted to have them on my hip. <laughs> so I always wanted to be a mummy. Yes. And I suppose... That never changed. Now, at the beginning, the losses were a lot harder. And I don't want to say that it gets easier, but you just be, you're able to tolerate it a lot more. You and as I said, to it, do you? I was expecting it. So I didn't, like a friend of mine told me of her um, pregnancy recently. Um, and she too had had a loss recently. And I cried in joy for her. Mm. And I got more enjoyment out of her pregnancy announcement to me than what I did for myself yeah. because I expected mine to be a loss again. And the positive pregnancy test for me means nothing. So I, I, I think that like both myself and my husband, we just, it was just part of it. It was like, okay, this is another, st- it was like as if it was just part of the IVF. Mm. It was like, okay, you do the egg retrieval, you do the transfer, you get because I always out of six out of sorry out of five transfers I got pregnant four times mm. so I had a, a very high rate of pregnancy so I kind of expected to get pregnant I know but it was just the next step of, of keeping it was the kind of anxious part for us mm. but I suppose so know. it's baby Hannah baby Hannah named after your nana named after my nana exactly yes uh, Nana passed away when? My nan passed away um, on the 23rd of April, which was the week before our transfer. I see. Yeah. So there's a whole story around that as well. I was due to transfer in March, um, my last embryo. As I said, we were just kind of like saying, okay, let's do it. Let's go through the motions and get it over with. But I got COVID, so my transfer was cancelled. And I was like, okay. I was devastated. I was like, I just want to... Because I wasn't even expecting anything from the last embryo. I wanted to just go to the next step. I wanted to do another round of IVF and change things up and hope that our miracle baby was in the next batch. Mm. Because I presumed that all the embryos that I had were bad or defective. There was something wrong. Um, so fast forward to April, I had to wait for another cycle. And we lost my nan on the 23rd. And I was in the process of doing, um, like, the medication and stuff for transfer at the time. Um, so my nan was buried on the Monday, and I got the go-ahead that morning to actually go ahead with the transfer that my body was ready. Um, so I transferred on the fat that Friday, and it was we are. less than a week later. Then I got my positive pregnancy test. Again, as I said, you know, we had to wait and see how things would go. Mm-hmm. But I firmly, sorry, now I'm getting upset. It's okay. I firmly believe that my nan had some part in sending her down to us. Yeah, I could understand yeah. that. I could understand that. You know. After all the frighteners that you had at the start, and you were convinced, here we go again, and then there she is. Yeah. Don't you? Delighted for you, you know that? Absolutely thrilled for you. Sorry for the tears. I thought that I had none left because 
you know, after the baby, everything makes you cry. Mm, I know. I'm okay now again. Uh, look, Nana, Nana is above now looking down going, I told you I'd sort out. I know. <laughs> and I think because we knew that my nan was my nan was dying, you know, like my nan had been in a nursing home for a couple of years previous. Um, so we knew that she was going to pass away the week that it, that it happened. And I've, all of us, you know, went up to say our goodbyes. And I think the whole family asked Nana for this special miracle could she help Anya and she most definitely did there's a story there's an old saying isn't there Anya you know when one leaves one door yeah, exactly yeah. I'm so thrilled when we found you. out that it was a little girl like we told our family immediately that the name was Hannah I think to be honest they all knew that it was going to be Hannah if it was a little girl well the best to you the best to Thank your partner you. and the best to baby Hannah it's a wonderful, Excellent. what a wonderful way to start 2023. Yeah, amazing. And she's not due to be here for another 14 days. Oh, Daisy, I forgot that bitch, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's she's not due for another two weeks. All right, well, I'm delighted for you, Anya. Thanks a million, PJ. Take care, take care. Bye now. Bye-bye. 0818-96-96-96. Yeah, for all the negative and dark and angry stuff that's out there, there's lovely stories like that. Come here, we might be about to give you the best year ever. Uh, it's the next big way to win on Cork's 96 FM. It's called Live Free in 23. And already, before I came back into the people saying, what's that about? What is it? Whatever you think it is, it's better. Stay listening to win. A year to remember. Only on Cork's 96 FM. Now, you can ask your smart speaker to play Cork's 96 FM. There are now even more ways to listen to Cork's 96 FM. Tune in on your radio, online, on your mobile. Cork's 96 FM. The lines are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 996. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. Returning to the conversation about ECCE and the state of play at ECCE uh, preschools, we were listening to Rowena in our first hour today, she had to go and borrow money from family and friends to pay her staff before Christmas because there's not a cent coming through from the scheme for her until the 6th of January and then she'll go and pay off those debts, hope she can sort out her bills and start again to wait for the next round of funding which just isn't enough and Rowena is saying that she doesn't want to have to close but if she gets to June it'll be an absolute miracle and she's not the only one in that situation. Linda, you were listening to that morning. Morning, PJ. Um, just coming on to that conversation, um, I'm a parent or a little girl. She started in September. She was three during the summer. Yes. Um, and just like if 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 her school happened to close, I don't like I know they they were off in November um, for protesting for about funding and stuff like that. But like what they have brought out in her personality in that short space of time is amazing. Like what what and every and it's not just our little preschool, it's every preschool. You can see it 
in all the kids, you know, like they teach them, like the first couple of weeks, they teach them emotions. You know, I feel angry because I didn't get to go to the playground after school. You know, like things like that, that I never would have thought to teach, you know, yeah. little kids and stuff like that. And it's just what what they're doing for the kids. And if they're, if it's over lack of funding, it's just ridiculous if, you know, preschools are going to be closed. Like you're, you're a teacher yourself, Linda, they're telling me. Yeah, here, so, yeah, you know. I'm, a se- like I'm, a, I'm a secondary school teacher um, and like, so I've dealt with many, you know, teenagers with emotions and, you know, different things and stuff like that. Like, and I never would have thought to teach my three-year-old, you know, I'm, I feel angry or I feel sad or things mm-hmm. like that. And even things like when, like, you know, all the kids have been sick over the winter and when the kids come back and they go, I missed you, you know, who would say that to somebody on a normal day? You know, like they're it's know. just like they know the kids so well, they you know so quickly. Like our little girl would be, she'd be quite shy, she'd be quite nervous. And when they were pre- prepping for their Christmas concert, the first day they went on the stage, they said, "Oh, she was a bit anxious. Was it her first time on the stage being up high?" And I said, "Oh, yeah, it would have been." I said, "She never would have been on the stage before." But like how they copped onto that straight mm. away, you know, and then. You know, the next day she said, I'm so brave because I went up on the stage. You know, that little regulation of emotion, teaching the understanding of emotion at such a a young age. Like, we have got such a problem with anxiety and emotional distress in the country. It's it's a brilliant thing to be teaching small kids. It's it's amazing. And like that, like, never would have thought that, you know, a three, four year old would be able to comprehend it. And like, they can adapt the curriculum around the kids. Like, they bring. The highlight of the week is show and tell on a Friday. They all get to bring in something. And it's gorgeous seeing them in the little car park. And they bring in, like, they could bring in a dinosaur now the size of them nearly. Or they'd be bringing in little things. And all their little personalities are coming out. And, like, there I bring it up as well. But these are lockdown kids as well. You know, they were babies, one, two, in it and stuff like that, you know, or whatever and stuff like that. So they were told, you know, like, don't kiss, don't hug, you know, don't, you know, to stay away from people. But, like, they push them as well. Like, you know, they like they go in, they hang up their coats themselves. You know, nobody else does it for them. You know, those things like that it's hard to do, you know, or even every parent, like, if you know, if your three or four-year-old goes, I want to do painting, and you're going, oh, I have to bring out the paint, <laughs> and I have to clean up the paint. But they, they do it, or they go, oh, I have, you know, like, you might notice a bit of paint on something, you know, like when you're changing their socks. Oh, we were painting my foot today, my footprint. You know, do you know what things like that, that like it's just the opportunity and, you know, like all the staff, they love their job. That's the thing as well. They love they it. Do. They don't they want do. to close. And to, and to hear Rowena oh, tell like, us how she has to borrow from friends and family just to keep the lights on. Just to just, keep going. Just to yeah. pay her staff. Yeah. And like all of us, we were going, the cost of electricity, like... All the lights are on, the, you know, it's a warm building, that they're, like where they are, it's an old building, but it's warm for the kids, you know, all all that is obviously put first, and obviously they're, you know, they're coming second, and obviously they're trying to pay their staff um, and everything and stuff, like it's just, it's heartbreaking, and they love their, they love their job, they love what they do, mm. and it's, an, it's a brilliant service, well, it's well, amazing. I, I don't think, you know, I don't think you'd do it if you didn't love it, if like oh, Rowena, you, you haven't yeah. taken a wage for weeks. Oh, a complete, complete vocation and everything. And like that, yeah, like, you know, you know, waiting until the 6th of January to be paid, you know, like that, just to pay off things as well. It's it's not on. 
Yeah, mind you, we're still in a country where there are thousands of frontline workers who never got the bonus, which will have been announced a year ago next week. Yeah. So I, I suppose these things, while they annoy us, shouldn't really surprise us, given the state oh, of the they, nation. They, they don't, they don't, um, PJ. Like, we, we, we lived in Australia and we returned in 2019. And, like, it was, it's more difficult being in this country, 100%. Is it? It would like come completely, completely. Are you in a position to compare the differences with regards to say, having children and trying to get them? Uh, no, well, we came we came back to have our oldest girl, and okay. um, so that like that was a difference. But like even coming back here, trying to get you know your driver's license, you know you need this form of ID, you need this, you need that, all you know all that like job security over there, like secondary school teacher. Basically, I, I I could walk into any school over there and be offered no, within. I'd be offered a twelve month contract, paid from the first of January to the thirty first of December, paid for all your holidays. You know, all of this. You could get a permanent job. You can take long. You can take long service leave. You can take. You know, like no, you work hard as well. Sure, you know, you do. and 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 things are very expensive as well. Cost of living is higher and stuff like that. But there's a lot more that if you're in if you're in it a couple of years that you can get the benefits out of it. Mm. So, so, so why did you come back? Family. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. Like, we wanted our kids to be born and bred in Cork, and that was it. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. And that was, that was that was our main decision. That's, what we, all, that's yeah. what we always wanted. Interesting. Um, Interesting. But if it, if it was closer, we'd be over there. Would you? Yeah, yeah definitely, yeah. Okay. Linda, good talking to you. And a happy new year to you, 2023. 0818-969696. I'm thinking to myself, as we look into 2023 and and the conversation continues, so many of the conversations we're going to have are conversations that began in 2022. In fact, scratch that, began in 2012. In fact, scratch that again, began in 2002. In fact, scratch that again, began in 1992. None of this stuff is new, particularly this this health stuff, this ED stuff. Although I did see a thread on Twitter, which I thought was worthy of a read. And it's it's just an analysis. This chap called Denny Boy, who, who does a lot of statistical analysis. He did it through COVID, uh, and he's done it to this, and he was looking at the rest of Europe. So Lisbon is in chaos in terms of emergency departments. Vienna is in chaos. There's France, Germany, Finland, Norway, Sweden, all varying degrees of of dire situations in their EDs at the moment. We know the NHS is in bits um, all over England, Wales and Scotland. Northern Ireland, someone recently experienced 100 hours on a trolley. Switzerland, chaos. Uh, the only two system that seem to have a functioning emergency department set up at the moment are Denmark and Spain. And in Spain, you could still be waiting 10 to 14 hours. So we're not alone in ED chaos at the moment. We're, we aren't. That, that's, that's true. And in the interest of balance, it's impossible to, or important or to say that. But I wonder in any of those other countries, did a minister 
someone trousering 200 grand a year stand in front of a round a circle of reporters and say, well, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Did, did anybody, as, as if we have no choice but to accept this. I'm wondering, did that happen in any other country in Europe? 0818 96 96 96. A few more things to clear before I go to the break. Yeah, it's the same. Aaron says it's the same headlines every year. Remember in 2017, the ambulance is waiting outside the Limerick Hospital on this very day. I'm very fortunate I was able to get a doctor's visit on the same day last week. The management of the HSC is a shambles and they never get questions. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Corks 96FM. Uh, there are a lot of people talking about new year, new you, and all that old palaver. I, I was listening to Paul yesterday talking to Tony Martin about getting set up for the new year. We all overindulged, like the first week in January, well the the, the the trousers is tighter and the wallet is lighter it has always been that way overindulge at Christmas, yes I mean I don't, I was mine the only stomach screaming at me at the weekend to go easy on it from all the junk and nonsense that you put into your stomach over the weekend and you know, you can see your stomach getting bigger, won't you? And I got a, a present for Christmas of a, of a gym membership, which I, I look forward to taking up. Not in January. There's no point in joining in January because you've given up by, by February. But I do intend to take it up because I need, I, do, I need it. Like, But everyone is looking at you to... Um, or everyone's looking at their bellies and going, I need to sort that out. And everyone is trying out a little bit of running or a swimming. Oh, God. I'm in a bad way. And then... <sighs> Operation Transformation is back on the telly. Back on the telly this weekend. They're changing formats and they're doing this and they're doing that and they're doing the other. And every year you get the same thing happens. People watch Operation Transformation and all of the leaders become household names for the few weeks. And there are notable incidents that hit it on social media and people follow them and it's criticised and there's a love-hate relationship with Operation Transformation. I have watched it on and off when I know someone on the show. Dear De Hosford, it was 10 years ago that you took part in Operation Transformation. Um, are, are you still as fit as you were at the end of it? Morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Um, yeah, 10 years. It's uh, It seems like a, another lifetime ago. Um, you know, it's, um, am I still as fit? I was mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, up until a few years ago. Um, you know, I think um, it certainly changed my perspective entirely about myself, my own fitness, my own health. Um, and there's stuff that 10 years later I'm doing daily that I learned on the show then. People get uncomfortable these days. You know, the way we watch television has changed in the 10 years. I personally am very uncomfortable, very uncomfortable with somebody being weighed in public on television and then someone on a panel giving out to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I suppose, uh, yeah, and that's one perspective to look at it. I think it's, uh, if you're a leader on the show, it's a, it's a completely different perspective. But I think 
Um, I think to be fair to the production company, they have taken on board the concerns and criticisms that they've received in recent years and they've changed the format. So this year now, you know, there's no more Lycra. They're going to be wearing, you know, T-shirts and, you know, tracksuits to get weighed. Um, even their logo has changed. They've taken the weighing scales out. And I think, I think when I was on it, yes, very much it was pounds on the scale, up you go, this is what you weigh. We never even spoke about body composition. But I think health and wellness have changed so much over the years that now the show is very much about, it's about your 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 cardiovascular fitness, your, yes. you know, your mental health. Your, so I do think the show has taken a completely different um, turn to where it was when I was at it, I suppose. Yeah. I think we've learned something in the past 10 years, Deirdre, just science has taught us that yes, we all like to be at our ideal weight. Many of us will never get there. Some of us don't even know what it is. But if you're comfortable in your own skin and you're cardiovascularly fit within that own skin, then you're halfway there. Absolutely. And I mean, a lot of it comes down to body composition. You can, you know, your 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 muscle, your fat, I mean, all that comes into play. And and as you say, if you have good heart health, good mental health, good, good everything health, it's not just. And I think as well, the attitude to food has changed on the attitude to calories has changed. And I think, you know, again, it's January. We're all on the, oh, we've overindulged at Christmas, as you've said, you know, we want to all drop a few pounds or, you know, get a little bit fit but I do think it's more and more going away from these very restrictive 1200 calorie diets, these mad, you know, um, extremes. And I think people are taking a much more balanced approach. And I think personal trainers and gyms in general, for those who want to go there for help, are taking a much more balanced approach. It's a more balanced approach I've applied myself. Mm. Um, am I the weight I was when I finished the show? Absolutely not. But am I in a much better place, happier place, fitter place? Yes. I mean, I'm lifting weights now that I couldn't have dreamed of lifting when right. I was at my skinniest, my lightest. Um, so I would focus more on that side of it. Now, I, I love the gym. I love weights. Um, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but that's that's what I like. If you ask me to go for a walk, I'll pout every step of the way. I hate it. Don't yeah. like walking. Don't like being outside. Don't like running. It's not my thing. Yeah. But I think the, the most important thing for everybody to take away from it is find something you love. Yes. If you hate it, you won't do it. If you say to me, you're going to lose four stone, but you've got to jog 5K, I'll absolutely put my foot down and say, no, not going to do it. I hate it. I hate being outside my, you know, my hair or whatever. I'll come up with an excuse. But if you find something you love, be it spinning, be it the gym, be it a class, be it a dance class, whatever it is, it's not a chore. You'll enjoy doing it and you'll keep it up. And that's it. It's consistency. It's yeah. it's a bit of diet. It's a bit of exercise. And it's just being consistent. Yeah. It's funny that you should say that. I mean, I've often talked about it here myself on the show that one form of exercise that I love is swimming. I love to swim. Now, mm-hmm. because of uh, my problem with my neck in the last couple of years, I haven't really been able to do a whole pile. But I'm going to go back to it. I got into a pool over the new year Deirdre and I got about five laps done and I was fit to drop and I thought I'll never yeah. get back to doing 50 a day which I was doing <laughs> yeah and then yeah. I said well, but you will you bend up to it yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Did, I did five laps I thought, I'm going to die 
<laughs> and it's always that. I mean, I know myself, you know, over Christmas, have I been to the gym? Absolutely not. Am I going back to the gym next week when my three boys go back to school? Absolutely. Um, will I die the first day? Will I be able to sit down for two days after? No, but it's again, you just got to be consistent with it. And you have to be realistic as well about your lifestyle. I mean, when I did this show, I had a two-year-old and a three-month-old. So Jack was two and Kean was three months old. Uh, it was busy. I'd, you know, looking back now, I was thinking, good God, what was I doing? Now I have another son, Liam. So right now the boys are 12, 10 and 6. So like we're busy. We're always in and out. They're involved in sports and all the rest of it. Mm. So you have to adapt it to your lifestyle. I can't say I'm going to go to the gym for four hours every day. If I get 45, 50 minutes, I'm winning. Yeah. And if I get there three times a week, Great. That's, so I think people need to be just a little bit um, realistic about their lifestyle. And it's all well and good to watch Instagram and TikTok and see Tina with her, you know, this is what I made in my air fryer that I lost 10 kg. But <laughs> Tina could have been walking for, you know, 12 I'm hours so behind glad. the camera that you don't see. Oh, dear, I'm so glad you went there. I am so glad yeah. you went there. There's so <laughs> much golf on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Instagram and TikTok now at the moment are their cesspits of, you know, look at me. I did my air fried chicken and I lost 10 kg. Do this exercise for a flat stomach. And, you know, I mean, these are people you just I think they're plucking it out of the air and going "Ta-da! look at me. I'm getting loads of views. So, again, it's just I would say to people and, I, and I'm seeing this from a, a point of some, you know, I've done there. I've been there myself. Like, look at it a little bit realistically. Take into consideration your lifestyle, your time. I know for me with three kids, I don't have time for all that rubbish. And I know if I give them some of the stuff that the recipes that I know if I give my kids some of the recipes, they would be like, absolutely not, I'm not eating it. But I mean, we've adapted recipes, we cook more ourselves. Um, and I suppose it's just not to put a lot of pressure on yourself um, and comparing for online, because I think we all do it, whether, yeah. you, whether you want or not. We'll all compare ourselves to people online and go, oh, geez, her house is clean. How can she get out to the gym <laughs> yeah, for five hours? Seen Look what's at behind what the camera. Yeah. Emma, yeah. Emma was on, she said, dear, I have two small kids, I've put on three stone in baby weight and overeating. I don't even recognise myself. I'm at home with the kids. I run around all the time. But at night, once they're in bed, out come the chocolate and the crisps. I'm just exhausted and I want to treat. Any advice? Where do I start? You've been here too. Mm-hmm. Oh, meet your sister. I mean, that was that was me, two small kids running around, you know, juggling all the balls. And then I'd sit down in the evening time and like that, the chocolate and the crisps and the 200 trips to the fridge out of, I'm sure, boredom. I've, yes. And I would just eat and eat at night time. So for me, what I did is I changed what I had in the house. Um, I don't buy full size anything anymore. So it's, you know, mini bars, lots of um, Aldi have amazing protein yogurts at the moment. They're really chocolatey and lovely. So for me, I'm a sweet girl. It's all chocolate. So I found stuff like that. So it's making food swaps. If you deny yourself something. So again, I'm talking about me personally. If you tell me you can't have chocolate. I would go out and I would have six bars for pure spite because somebody told me I couldn't have them. <laughs> so, it, and that's the truth. That's it's what I would do. So what I do is I make small swaps. I make I do, you know by the mini bars, you know, like the mini crunchies or whatever. Um, you know, get um, See, the digestive biscuits. I have four of them. 
you know, yeah, but, yeah, well, now you got to rein it back a small bit, PG. you got to rein it in a small bit. But, you know, little swaps like that. And, yeah. you know, I found for me having tea, if I had tea, I'd want something with it. So I'd swap to coffee. I don't really have as much with coffee or I'd have like a herbal tea. Right. I won't eat anything with that because that's just manky. So, it's, it, you know, making little changes like that as you go along will help you. And, and again, don't beat yourself up. You've got two small kids. You're a busy mom. You have stuff to do. And I know you want to change change but small steps and being consistent over time is what's going to work 100%. Anna was on she said ladies lose the booze I did dry November and (laughs) put away One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes Nice dress. Uh, It's a a t-shirt. Until you tried it on Same goes for your healthcare That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The nightly glass of wine. I lost a stone. I put it all back mm-hmm. over Christmas. So dry January has mm-hmm. begun. Now, I don't know about you, dear, but dry January to me is is torture because January Oh, it's itself, my birthday, not a hope. No. That's a birthday. No, there'll be no dry January in this house. That's the point. Like, <laughs> uh, my birthday's in two weeks. No, so not, dry, not dry, a prayer. I wouldn't do it. Dry January is self-flagellation. It's absolutely awful. I mean, it's <laughs> the most... Du- I, I, I was taking down some Christmas tree decorations over the last couple of days and boxing them mm-hmm. up and thinking... And that's it. And look out, January has arrived with a grey, horrible vent. And you want me to put away my glass of wine? Oh, absolutely not. No. (laughs) But I do think like liquid calories are a huge thing as well. And I think people forget that. They're like, oh, well, you know, you'd sort of say, um, you know, did you have much coffee today? I only had four or five coffees, but did you have milk in those? So they Mm. forget to add up milk and like, so... It is you could you could add up a lot in your daily um in your daily intake by mm. that. Again, drink is, is lethal, but you know, you can be clever. Well, you can you can box clever, like, you know, um light your beers and stuff. I've always been telling people this. I gave up um sugar 
in coffee. Mm-hmm. I still have to take a tiny drop, a tiny bit in tea. I just can't do the tea. But I gave up sugar on my coffee. Uh, it's the bones of 10 years ago now. And it was the best decision I ever made because with the amount of coffee I drink, I wouldn't fit yeah. through the door if I was putting sugar yeah. in it. And that's, that's exactly what I was saying to PJ. Small changes over time will make the difference. Mm. So, I mean, it, I think I, I just worry at this time of year. I know everybody gets, again, the self-flagellation of, oh, I've eaten so much. I'm so terrible and I've so much to lose. Take it in small steps. Give yourself a break. It didn't go on overnight. It's not going to come off yeah. overnight. Mine didn't. And I suppose... As I said earlier, am I the same size as I was when I finished the show? Absolutely not. Am I in a much better, happier and healthier place now? Yes. And it was all tools that I got from then that I've applied now 10 years later. Yeah, you're you're happy in your skin. And that's the most important thing. Yeah, someone's saying there's a great sandwich board up outside the poor relation pub. Dry January Mm -hmm. offers. We've dry martini, dry white wine. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds uh, like my choice, sort of dry January. (laughs) Coming back to Operation Transformation, in fairness, Catherine Thomas has said recently, anyone criticising it now hasn't seen it Mm -hmm. in years because the format has changed dramatically. I didn't like, and again, I haven't seen it in a while, I didn't like the way when your weight, when they took your weight, um, whether whether you were dressed in lycra or a bin bag, I still didn't <laughs> like this idea that, oh, you've only, you've put up a pound and a half. Well, yeah. then lecture time from somebody yeah. on the panel. Never. I wouldn't, I couldn't countenance that. That's horrible. Yeah, I suppose, um, again, the way they, again, we, well, you have to remember that it's a TV show. Yes. So it, there's that element in it all the time that they're going to want, someone's got to be in trouble every week, you know. Um, so it, it is a TV show. There is that element to it. But I think I think that was more years ago. Um, and I think as well, a lot of the time, what they're trying to do is get people to see that they need to take it a little bit more seriously, especially when it's on the show and you have, you know, so much public interest. And and it is, it's quite overwhelming. I mean, you're, you're trying to lose weight. You're doing it super publicly. You have, you know, radio shows, TV shows, uh, newspapers, magazines calling you all the time. Yeah. It's quite overwhelming for um, normal Joe Soap. I can't you know? imagine what it must be so, like, Deirdre, for example in your situation as a leader and thinking back mm-hmm. now to, to when you did it right to be mm-hmm. down in down in super value on, on a Saturday <laughs> and you're picking up the groceries and you go to, you go there's a packet you put a chocolate packet of chocolate biscuits in and there's something I was hiding it under lettuce I, I you know I'd be getting <laughs> sweets for the kids and I'd be firing it under a cabbage because People look like they were looking in my trolley. I was like, oh my God, I'm mortified. So I'd be hiding chocolate under cabbages and stuff, trying to take, you know, I'd be like, oh my God, they're going to be looking. They're walking up to you in the shop, looking into your trolley. Absolutely. Absolutely. Go and take a run and jump for themselves. Up until until two years ago was the last time I had someone, a stranger in the street, ask me, and what do you weigh now? Ah, here. Yeah, it's just it's because it's public. I think people think that they have a they have a vested interest in you, and because you did it publicly, that they can ask you stuff like that. But I mean, you'd have people coming up and going, "And what are you buying now this week? And what's that for? And what dinner are you making?" And you know, I mean, people do that. And, and is that of yours? 
and and you tried to be very polite to people all the time but like there was a couple mm-hmm. of times when I was like oh my god but I would be very conscious and I mean I did for a little bit after for about I'd say probably about seven or eight months after the show I, I wouldn't go out to eat Right. Um, if my husband said to me, you know, we'll go for dinner, I'd be like, no, either we won't, because Cork's a very small place and, and people would, would you'd see them looking and I'd be like, oh my God, they're looking at what I'm having for my dinner. Now, that passed very quickly. And again, that was more of a, um, a personal thing than anything else. But, you know, people do have a vested interest in, and even still to this day, I'd walk in somewhere and someone would go, I know you from somewhere. Oh, oh, I don't know. And it's very awkward. Um, you're standing there going, oh, oh, I don't know where you know me from. Mm-hmm. Um, but people do remember and it is very public. So, I mean, I do think as well, people need to give um, the leaders a little bit of leeway. They're dealing with an awful lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, in this day and age, online trolls, I mean, you're going to get it in the next. So you do need a very thick skin. Um, mm-hmm. So it is a lot of a lot of balls to juggle in the air. But I think as long as people remember that it is a TV show at the end of the day but I mean personally for me well, it was a very positive people. experience yeah, yeah and it, I, I've come out the other end of it and I'm still using things and tools that I've learned I mean the only thing I learned that I absolutely hate is courgette um, <laughs> because I remember when Dr. Ava was doing all our recipes it was 90% courgette and everything yeah, no. And to this day, courgette oh, just God, no. turns my stomach. Oh, no, 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 no. Courgette, I hate the damn things. I hate yeah. passion. <laughs> and you get all these things. Oh, put in a courgette, you won't notice the difference. Yes, no. you will. Yes, you <laughs> yeah, no. will. <laughs> no courgette in this house either, PJ. No, absolutely not. <laughs> lastly, lastly, dear, to what I have you, for, for people yeah. who are deciding right, I'm going to give it a go. Like, I'm not going to touch it until after my birthday. Neither are you. I'm not going to even bother yeah. with it. I'm going to go down and start my gym membership the day I feel like it, right? But Absolutely. for those around someone who is maybe taking, trying to, you know, tighten themselves up a bit. Advice. Mm-hmm. Do you keep your mouth shut? Just just be supportive. So, um, I suppose in, in, in any situation, if say if me and my husband were sitting here and I said, all right, I'm going to to do this. And he's sitting beside me eating a Mars bar. That's never going to work. It's mm-hmm. the same thing as giving up smoking. If, if a couple are smoking and one tries to give up smoking, it's like, so if he's sitting next to me eating a Mars bar, I'm going to last two days eating my plain biscuit and I'll be back eating a Mars bar with them. So I think... Just be a little bit supportive. I think comment on nobody's weight. That's a rule of thumb. Mm -hmm. It's not your business. They don't need your input. Just quietly support them. You know, maybe say, Erin, I won't have the biscuit after the the dinner there. I'm grand for a while. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, small things like that without being, um, there needs to be no grand gesture, but just be supportive of them quietly without mentioning their weight or without, if they lose a bit, going, oh, you look great. Mm. it's you know you don't need to say they know it's coming and maybe just as they say a little bit don't sit around the meeting or maybe suggest we won't bother getting the takeaway this week will we or you know something like that but all those little things add up to having the support of those around you that will keep you going um i think sometimes and an overtly big grand gesture and I'll do it with you and and then two days later they stop that can be a problem Mm. but everybody can do it consistency is the key to it all well well, like I said 
five lamps, five laps of a pool, and I looked at up at the ceiling, and I goes, "I'm going you to get there, PJ." <laughs> and I used to, I used to, be, I used to do fifty-five days a week. You know what I mean? And it's and it's not, a, and it's not a hundred years ago. It's not a hundred years. Oh, but by one a week, and by the end of the week, and by the end of the year, there's fifty-two weeks in the year. You'll yeah. be doing your fifty laps again. All right, listen. Great talking to you, Deirdre. Take care. Thanks a million. Take care, PJ. Bye bye. That's Deirdre Hosford who did Operation Transformation ten years ago. It starts again this month. Do you watch it? I don't know whether you do or not. I don't care whether you do or not. But I had a fun conversation with Deirdre. But the one thing about it, just can we stop this January crack? Because I have no idea how people start at the start of January. There's no drink, no sweets, no crisps, no nothing. By the 10th of January, you're going to be saying to hell with that and you're eating the contents of the fridge. 0818 96 96 96. I asked for an appointment with my doctor, who I literally haven't seen in years. They're never available. I asked for an appointment at the end of December. Tracy, you're joking me. I asked for an appointment at the end of December... The most available appointment I can see my doctor is the 6th of March. Sorry, Tracy? I assume that's not for anything urgent now. 6th of March to see the doctor. I'm assuming that's for a routine checkup. I'm hoping it's not for anything urgent. But she asked for an appointment, contacted the doctor at the end of December, looking for an appointment, and the best they can do is the 6th of March. Returning to the conversation we had with Jim earlier on this morning about flights and his daughter didn't show up for a flight, uh, a return flight. The first leg she didn't show up and the airline automatically cancelled her return leg. And, and Jim said, fine, that might be your policy, but they didn't tell her about it. It's buried so deep in the terms and conditions. We had a long chat with Jim about that in the first hour. And it does seem unfair that if you don't turn up for a flight, they don't at least text you or email you and say, you didn't turn up, is everything okay? Do you want to use the return leg? But But they don't. Airline ticket return legs. The computer system has always, there's no name on this one, the computer system has always cancelled the return leg if you're a no-show for the first leg. Spare a thought for the number of trained travel agents who know this but lost their jobs thanks to the internet. Business travellers would nearly always use travel agents and they sort all this out behind the scenes, which is a fair point. Booking travel online is part of the modern world, part of it's great and it works out and you can save money doing it but that's a valid point that someone's made there that you can actually miss these little these little traps. 0818 96 96 96. Speaking of travel and look sitting down to book something maybe for the summer Next. It's that time of year again. Oh, yes, it is. This Saturday is a free Panto Saturday on Cork's 96FM for Cinderella. This year's Panto at the Everyman. Listen in all day Saturday and you could win a family pass to see the show on Wednesday, January 11th at 7pm. Stay listening to win your way to Cinderella at the Everyman. Only on Cork's 96FM. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 9696. This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. So it's that time of year when people will sit down at the computer and open up the apps and just 
think, right, where will we go on the holiday in the summer? Thankfully, if we can still afford it, where will we go for the holiday in the summer? We've got nothing booked as yet. A few ideas in the fire, but nothing booked. Compared to last year, we had everything booked and tied down at, at this stage. Always a good time to catch up with Sarah Slattery of the travelexpert.ie. Sarah, I think a lot of people are in that position this year. They haven't made a call on it yet because they just don't know what the trends are going to be, what the prices are going to be like, what the availability is going to be like. Morning. Morning. Hi, PJ. Um, yeah, there seems to be a kind of a mixed. Um, some people booked extremely early, like some people going in July, August, booked la- literally when they came back last year mm. or saw cheap flights and booked in August. And then others are kind of waiting for the January sales. And there has been quite a lot out. And I think the most important thing is all the new routes. So um, there's so many new flights and destinations. So it's just a really great choice for, for consumers. And that's from Cork as well. Yes, we got some really good new routes. And increased frequency on other routes with Ryanair and Erlingus from Cork. Look at Ryanair first. They have a big January sale between uh, yeah. with flights from April to June. Yeah, right up to June um, from $29.99 each way. Um, and again, I think it's going to be key to for, for people to look at those new routes that people aren't used to flying to. That's where the real bargains are going to be. Um, La Rochelle in France, Seville, uh, Rome, Venice, lots of particularly good for city breaks. Um, but they've, they've 29 destinations from Cork um, this summer. So um, 1.4 million seats. So there should be better value, I would think, from Cork than, than there has been in the past. Yeah. A huge increased frequency to Alicante and to Palma and, and other other destinations yeah. like that. Aer Lingus, similar, another flight, flight sale? Yeah, Aer Lingus sale has up to 25% off flights to the UK and Europe uh, from the 1st of February to the 15th of June. And they also have discounts on flights to the States. Uh, the American flights are really, really good value. Mm. Um, like in, in February and March, it's retur- return flights to New York, are 302 euro. I mean, would you ever have seen that? Is that return? And, and even like... Yeah, yeah, really, really good. Wow. Um, and even the May Bank holiday weekend there, um, 388 return to New York. So really, really, and, and, and right across the States, um, there's lots of increased capacity there as well. So um, that that's something to watch out for. Um, they have 4 million seats on offer. Now it's not during, you know, June, it's, it, it's not during the peak summer months, but yeah. up until the 15th of June. Yeah. Now the package providers, TUI, uh, Sunway, those 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 kind of providers they've all got a sale as well they do. Uh, two e sale is particularly good if you have families. If you're going to spend like two and a half thousand or more, um, they've two hundred. Well, they've they've discounts if you spend less as well. But the real savings if you spend two and a half thousand, you save two hundred and fifty euros off your booking. So if you have a family looking for like an all inclusive resort or a, a water park holiday or something like that, there's some really good savings there. Um, I just I spotted the um, Globales uh, play in Estepona there in the Costa del Sol. Mm. In July, for a family of four, that's two six six zero, including all your food, your water park access, your flights, your transfers, your baggage. So you know, there if if you kind of you can get lucky and get a free child place and get the two hundred and fifty euros off, it can be particularly good for families. Yeah, and the, it, it was the way. I don't use those brochure agencies anymore now. But if it was the way that you could just put down a hundred quid per person now or fifty quid per person now, can you still do that? 
Yeah, they've. I think normally it was more, but they have a deposit offer at the moment of fifty per person. Yeah, I think it was was at seventy five last year, but it's still it's it's relatively you know it's 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 very affordable at the moment if you're um if you, if you don't want to pay up in full for the flights. It's also worth mentioning as well that uh, Ryanair and Erlingus or Ryanair have introduced this um deposit fare as well and you have to take the family plus option so it means you have to book bags and things like that so there's a bit of a catch but Mm -hmm. it is also something that that's new um and Aer Lingus have deposits on the state so they're a lot more doing the kind of the deposit option as well or your local travel agent will do that January is a yes January is a a time when you don't necessarily have 1200 quid to drop on a few flights you know you don't exactly yeah and that's where I suppose is good for for travel agents because they will take a deposit as well and offer you all the, the advice um, uh, you know so you've, you've got a kind of a bonus there too If you wanted to stay home um, hotel breaks are always a, a, big, a big one in Ireland, are there sales on in that department? Yeah, there are um, lots of the same um, people who who have deals. The Intercontinental have 20% off room rates. But what's great about that is it's right across the year. Um, So uh, if you book before the 16th of January, but it's for for stays at 20% off. The Trinity City Hotel in Dublin have 20% off. The Hardyman of Galway have a nice one. Um, it's a winter offer, or it's up to the 14th of March, but it's breakfast, dinner and a bottle of wine for 105 per person. So if you were looking for a... Um, an overnight escape right in Air Square. I thought that was good. And there's loads of great deals. I have all these on my website. If for anyone wanting to get away for payday, like the 29th of January, there's loads of deals like this from 50 euro Trim Castle there. Hotel is lovely. I stayed in it myself, 50 euro per person. Um, Mount Juliet, 79 euro per person. Like lots of really good deals. Yeah. At the end of January, just when you, you're, you're I, I heard you talking earlier about dry January. So for anyone who is doing it, it might be nice to go away then. Yeah, you want to go away on the 87th of January. There you go. All the deals are there because the longest <laughs> month. Sarah, one last one before I let you go. It came up earlier on the programme. Do you know the whole thing about booking flights and missing the small print? Are you an advocate for going through a travel agent or doing it? yourself which which well, is I, safer i'd always i'd always uh, say go with the travel agent i was a travel agent now for years before yes. i started writing so but i mean i suppose it depends i mean usually if it's a straightforward flight like point to point dublin to london or dublin to malaga or whatever you know it, it, let's face it most people will just book that online now um and it but if it's anyway sort of if there's a, an extra flight involved or if you're going sort of like you know, January time where, you know, you, you could have a risk of snowstorms or um, and, and look, COVID, you know, like yes. look, look at what the things are changing in, in Asia all the time. So I would say if it's a big holiday, if it's um, and also one th- it is a bit of a myth in a lot of ways, like a lot of the times the travel agents aren't more expensive because they, they will get commission from the hotels. Yes. So you may pay an extra 30 euro or something for the flight, but usually they will they will be paid the commission. I see. from the accommodation provider so it mightn't always be as as expensive as as you think you know yeah i so, remember i, mean, I remember when i broke away from agents forced i did save quite a bit of money but that's changed now that's changed yeah. 
Yeah. And again, I mean, sure, there's no harm to price it to That's get, but you know, to compare and see, you know, just make sure you are your transfers included, is your checked baggage included, you, you know, things like that. Because an awful lot go. of the times, things seem cheaper, and then you, you know, you realise that you got to get the add them all up. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You know, some they can do tickets and travel insurance; they can do all of that as well. So it, you know, it's 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 important to to, to check depending on on where you're going to. Lastly and quickly, there, Sarah, what was the name of the all-inclusive in the car? Del Sol that you were on uh, That's the Globales play in Estepona. I have a kind of travel deals post on my website with all of these in it. Um, and I also have a post on all the January sales. Like there's, there's other things like travel insurance, AA travel insurance is 30% off. Mm. Um, attraction tickets have adults and kids prices. There's 25% off room stays in the Maldives for anybody looking for something um, more exotic and loads and loads of cruise deals, okay. escorted tours, travel department have great offers. So there's like, there's actually Sunway, you know, there's offers across the board there. The, the value is out there. We'll talk again uh, throughout the course of the year. Thank you, uh, Sarah. That's Sarah Stan. TheTravelExpert.ie is her website. TheTravelExpert.ie, all one word. There's reams of stuff there. Go in and have a, have a browse. We want to cut the cost of living. For one loyal listener. Live free in 23. Spending money, money. The next big way to win is coming. Is coming. Only on Corks 96 FM. The minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. Familiar with it, Eleanor, within about 30 seconds. But some we're talking about airlines early on this morning. Anna got on to say, PJ, they are a law unto themselves. In October, myself and my sisters were flying from Cork to Paris. We got up at 5 a.m., went to the airport, and were told, oh, there was no Paris flight in the winter, even though we'd paid for it. We never got notification there might be a problem. I think a lot of people actually turned up at the airport that morning. They have returned the money to us, but it ruined our first day. We had to get another flight out later that day after getting up in the middle of the night, says Anna. Yeah, and I know a lot of people who wanted to book a certain Ryanair route for next summer booked it and then discovered suddenly, hang on, you can't now do that because they've changed the schedule. But a boat accommodation, it is a pain in the neck. That's not the first time I've heard about that Paris situation. The people booked it maybe last year and bought it and paid for it and were all excited about it. Then Aer Lingus took off the flight because maybe it didn't suit them to run it or wasn't selling it up, whatever. But all these people were left with tickets that they got no word of it. So they, like Anna... They got out of bed in the middle of the night and went up to the airport thinking, I'm going to Paris. At least it's stupid o'clock in the morning, but at least I'm going to Paris. Well, no, you're not because there's no flight. That's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Now, Eleanor, oh, I got stung like this before, Eleanor. Luggage is a most outrageous price. Morning. Morning, morning, PJ. No, I was just appalled. I mean, I thought I was getting a great price in the flight. It's for my friends. We head off there every year together for a couple of days. Over to Lanzarote, when, yeah. Over yeah. to Lanzarote. No, this is only our second time going to Lanzarote because we enjoyed last year. 
And I said I'd check out and thrilled with the price of the flights. Sacred article when I saw 55 euros for a, a 20 kg bag. It was just, I just, I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. No, it was October right. and it was 204 euros through Erling. That's, that's a good that's price. I have not right. That's okay. Yeah, 204 or it could have been 208, but I know it was very similar to what we paid last October. Oh, yeah. that's, that's, that's a good, that's an excellent price. Yeah. Superb it price. And, and there's a 10 kilo bag thrown in with free. that. Right. That's free. That's free. And then I said, because we would, as I said, two of us take wheelchair assistance because of mobility problems and it's easier, you know, to get a bag booked in. So we get the big bag then and we can bring a lot of extra with us, you know, being women. (laughs) And um, we just, but I mean, if I'm going to book that, I'm only going to put a a 10 kg bag and just cut down on my stuff. Yeah. But I have been on to my friends yet to verify because one of them is out in Australia and the other one is in the air going to London. So um, I'll mm. see what we'll do. Yeah, 55 euro each way for a 20 mm. kg bag. And, mm. and, that's okay, now, and, and that can go up later in the year. I remember I got caught last year with going away and I booked everything and I said to myself, right, you know what we'll do now? We'll decide later in the year how many big bags we want to bring because I would travel yeah. much lighter. But you know, it is what it is. We yeah. ended up putting on two big bags rather than the one big bag I thought we'd get away with. Mm-hmm. And the cost of us was... Oh, yeah, ridiculous. Stop! Yeah. 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 Having me with Ryanair, I forgot to book, book in a 20kg bag. And when I went back in to book it, instead of it being about €25, Euros, it was forty nine ninety nine. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You nearly put another person on the flight. I just said I'd ring you to say this, Scott. It was when I was listening to you, it sounded great the deals which I was interested in, but I thought to myself last night what I had seen. So just thought I'd share it with the listeners. Thank you. Glad you did join the conversation. Thank you, Eleanor. Yes, the thanks for that. And have a good trip when it does come around. The yeah, like the cost of luggage, and I know it's not new. We've been doing it for years. There, you have to pay for your luggage. It's it's just how it is. I think it was. I think it was Ryanair started it. Almost sure it was Ryanair started it. Uh, that yeah, you'd get your flight for nineteen ninety nine each way, but your bag. Hello, and then Erlinga started. Now now they all do it. They all charge for for luggage now. But the cost of putting luggage on a flight is just. Bonkers. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Not look, the, the, the flights and travel and holidays are all luxury things, but look at the cost of owning a home, or even the cost of getting into the housing market. Uh, Mick Barry has been looking close close to party. Mick Barry has been looking at a new report from myhome.ie, and myhome.ie, according to this report. Home ownership is getting further and further beyond the reach of so many young people. Average sale price of a house now is multiples, multiples of, of the average wage. Make good morning to you. Good morning and a happy new year to you, Peter. And to you, sir, and to you. The average price of a house, when, when I was buying my first house back in the early 90s, I remember paying 38000 for it. And that put us to the pin of our collar to afford to pay for that. But nowadays, I don't, I, I really don't envy anybody trying to get into the market for the first time. 
No, it's becoming uh, increasingly difficult uh, and next to near impossible for uh, many now. So the myhome.ie report uh, says that the average price uh, of a house in Cork City is now 325000 and that the average price for Cork County is 372000 Yeah. The the media have um, tended to highlight uh, a comment that was made uh, in in that report, which says um, that things are more stretched now than any time since two thousand and nine, which would have been Celtic Tiger uh, era. Um, what they mean when they say that things are stretched is that the ratio between um, the average price of a house and the average wage is at its highest level now in 14 years, and they measure it at nearly 8 to 1. Mm. Yeah? The the thing about that is that they're, offer, they're operating off an average wage of 48,000 a year. Uh, and there's few, if any, young people uh, who are starting off yeah. on 48,000 a Wouldn't year. Wouldn't that I be mean, close to the CSO average wage, Nick, wouldn't it, when they do their average industrial wage calculation, that would be close to it? Yeah, it wouldn't be a million miles off it. Um, but, I mean, it's not the the average person who's in the housing market. I mean, that would include people who are in their late 40s and 50s yeah. um, who who have their, their houses and their mortgages sorted in, in many, although far from all cases. Um, <clears throat> really, if you're going to have a discussion about the housing market, uh, you have to focus in, not exclusively, but in particular on people in their 20s and 30s uh, who are maybe talking about settling down, starting a family and so on. I mean, a young teacher um, kicking off now after getting all their qualifications in university um, will be starting off on a rate of a, uh, of a little under 30,000 a year. Yeah. So if they want to buy a house in Cork City, they're looking at a ratio of more than 10 to 1 Mm. Now that, that's that's what they I haven't call. Haven't got a snowball's stretch. chance in hell of getting a mortgage on that on that wage. Uh, yeah, um, and it's it's actually driving emigration now. This really, I mean, I was sick over the Christmas and didn't get out and about as much as I would have wanted to. But you, you take stock at the end of the year and and you get in touch with people who you haven't been in touch with maybe uh, as much or as much quality time to talk. And the number of stories that are coming back to me uh, of young people who are leaving the country now and the reason they're leaving the country, can't afford to buy, can't afford to rent, and they don't see any prospect of it mm. uh, in, 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 in the short term. I mean, back in the day, back in our day, PJ, the emigration was driven by mass unemployment yeah. and to a certain extent, a disillusionment with the way in which the country was being run by, you know, the the, the level of church control in people's personal yeah, lives. Yeah. yeah. Now there's but plenty now of work, housing. but there's nowhere to live. The, the, there's a there's a young person who worked uh, in my doll office. Um, she's 25 years of age, and she's in a WhatsApp group with um, 21 of her friends. So there's 22 people in the WhatsApp group altogether. Um, emigration started kicking off after the COVID restrictions were lifted. When was that? February of, of last year. Mm. And since then, 20 of the 22 have left the country. 
Um, um, you know, the, the, the failure of Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael and the failure of the, what I call the capitalist housing market, mm. uh, to deliver uh, housing at, at any kind of affordable rate uh, for young people is, 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 it's just kicking off again big time, the immigration. Now, to be fair, Mick, when I look back at my own 20s, one of my regrets is that I didn't get out of here for a few years and I think I, I do honestly believe and I get in trouble for saying this but I do honestly believe everyone in their 20s should take the opportunity to up sticks for a couple of years but that's not what we're talking about here No the, the idea of you know spending a few years abroad um, and, and seeing the world as an experience which is voluntary that's fine but the idea that it's forced uh, that you have no choice uh, and that is happening because there's a man-made housing crisis, uh, which governments have been very, very much uh, part of, along with the profiteers um, who, who are organising housing for profit rather than people. Uh, that is, that is, uh, that's wrong. So what's the solution? Uh, and it's, it's it's something that's going to that's that, that that's a huge issue, and is going to become an even bigger issue now this year, in my opinion. So what's the solution? The solution, uh, in my opinion, is um, a massive uh, investment uh, in social housing and a massive investment uh, in affordable housing. Um, Housing has been commodified. Uh, It's been turned into something that's bought and sold in the market uh, for a profit. Uh, And we were told that this would be a good thing and that ordinary people would benefit from it. Mm. Uh, and the end result of it, 30, 40 years after the experiment started, is that we've got another generation of young people being forced out of the country because they can't afford to rent, let alone to buy a house. Mm. So the the idea of buying and selling houses in a market, that's fine. But there, there has to be uh, a much higher premium and a much higher investment uh, in social housing and affordable housing yeah. so that, that, that people can get a roof over their heads uh, if they want to get one. Well, if you're to be honest and look at Cork City Council as a whole, and I don't have their numbers to hand now, but they, they published impressive numbers at the start of 2022 as to what they were going to do, what they were going to finish in 2022, what they were going to start in 2022, and what they were planning into 2023. And even Ono of Sinn Féin came out and said, actually said on this programme, he said, well, actually, Cork City Council are doing as much as they said they would do. They're doing everything that they said they would do. Is it a case that the councils need to be doing more? It's not that the councils need to be uh, scolded uh, for sitting on their hands. Uh, it's that the, the councils need to be given the freedom and the wherewithal um, That's to a, do a lot They're more. delivering everything that they said more. they would, but they're not able to do any more. Is that it? Yeah, their hands are tied um, by um, the lack of um, direct grants that they're receiving from central government. Uh, and there are capable and talented people uh, in the council and in the council's housing department, um, but they need to be freed up and given the wherewithal and the mm. resources uh, to deliver much more mm. on the affordable housing and to deliver much more 
on uh, uh, the social house. What also needs to be freed up is the dozens and dozens and dozens of voids that are still there, that awful word voids that are still there, places that if I, and it still happens, Mick, and you know it still happens, if I leave, if I finish in my council house on the 30th, 41st of January and I leave to go out and buy my own house in the private sector, etc, 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 I leave a perfectly good house where someone can come in, hang up their jacket and get on with living, it'll be boarded up and lie idle for months. That's still happening. Now, what, what's being done about that? Well, the the house they they call that turning around the house, uh, and houses that couldn't should be turned around in uh, weeks, it's taken months, and houses that couldn't should be turned around in months, uh, it's taking years, and um, I mean, there's no one thing that you can pinpoint here, but the major one that I would pinpoint is back in the day, Cork City Council had its own maintenance department, mm-hmm. right. You had, you know, the depot up at the the Glen and the other depots around the city, uh, which dozens of uh, workmen reported to uh, every morning. And they were, you know, plumbers and carpenters and Mm. bricklayers and they're capable of doing any kind of work in relation to that. Um, And you put the money behind that, which wasn't always done, and say, okay, go out there and turn around that house in a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Um, but if I leave my house in good nick, Nick, if I leave my house perfectly livable other than maybe a lick of paint, there shouldn't be a need for any of this. You know, you can just be past it as approved by an engineer and say, right, give it out on Monday. It should be that simple. Why isn't it? I mean, have you and your colleagues looked into why it isn't that simple? Yeah, we have. Uh, what were... Uh, often told is that um, say you have a house that has been in the possession of uh, a tenant for a period of 20 or 30 years and that in the meantime um, the standards in terms of uh, home heating uh, windows etc uh, etc et has been improved that the house can't be turned over and given to a new tenant unless those improvements being put in now, place. Now to me Mick but- that sounds like utter nonsense. If an engineer is willing to pass the house as being fit for living in, it like fit fit for but living the, in. You see, you see the does, thing is, the, yeah. the engineer won't pass the house because the the house isn't um, a, in tune with the the new standards, which would be higher standards than would have been the case twenty or thirty years ago. And that's not a case for saying let's scrap the standards and throw the standards out the window. No, but if a that's house a case, of a certain, that's a case for saying if the house that's is ten a case or twenty, for saying, yeah. uh, we 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 need uh, uh, properly financed uh, maintenance departments who are able have got the the financial backing behind them, mm. and who are able to to get there and to make those improvements. Uh, as quickly as possible and turn the house around within make, a matter make, of weeks. My house where I live probably isn't up to 2023 standards. I'm sure it probably isn't. It's still very warm and comfortable, thank you very much. And we'll do we just grand. Mm. You know, there's no need for all this upgrading if the house, surely if the house is warm and dry and airtight and all these things that needs to be. Why do we have to go through all this guff about refitting something that doesn't need to be refitted? 
Well, maybe you need to get someone on from the Cork City Council Housing Department oh, about look, that. I've been trying to if, ask if them for years. That would be passed, if it would be something that would be passed by an engineer, it, it, it should be done and it should be done quickly. Yeah. And if it's something that needs a bit of work, the work should be done. It should be financed and well, done quickly. Well, I've been asking be for years why they rip out the kitchen. Like, in other words, you have a perfectly good kitchen. They rip out a perfectly good kitchen. Why you do that? They rip out a perfectly good bathroom, rip up perfectly good floors. I've no idea why that's done. Still mm-hmm. doing it, though. Yeah. Are you guys looking into that, your people on the council? Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, but it, 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 it might be an idea to get someone on from the housing department or if they're not prepared to put someone on, to get um, you know an email sent to them and get a, a statement from the council. Uh, in relation to it, look, if 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 work isn't necessary, blast ahead. But if work is necessary, then don't drop the standards, but put the money in to make sure that it can be turned around quickly. That's my view on it. I think you're right, Mick. And we, we there are, there are times when we disagree, but I I completely agree with you here, uh, Mick Barry. There is thank you. There is absolutely no reason why a perfectly good house needs to be refitted and refurbished and backfitted and arse fitted to suit some modern standard. My house is built in what? The 80s. And it's a perfectly decent house. It's probably not up to 2023 standards across its entire four bedrooms and, and all of that. Um... But it's perfectly fine. It's warm and dry and sealed and all that. So why would you come in, if I vacate that house, why would you come in and rip it to pieces? 0818 96 96 96. Kate says they can easily build whole centres when they want to in lightning fast time. It's a question of having the will and the budget to bring it up to modern standards. I'd love to know where the cut-off point is because when you buy a private house you don't Refuse because it's not up to modern standards. That's yes case, yes case, hundred percent case. If I go to buy a house today and it's maybe ten, fifteen years old, it's it's an engineer will say it's perfectly good to buy. The engineer will advise the mortgage company it's perfectly good to release me the money. It's it's of its day, which means you're going to have to do some more insulation. Probably going to have to fix the damp, change the windows. That's fine. But, like, why this notion that everything has to be up to 2023 standards before you can give it to anybody? It's just guff. It's ideological guff. 0818 96 96 96. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. A nice to remember in aid of breakthrough cancer research takes place on Saturday, the 21st of January at the Gary Vaux Hotel. A medieval themed event awaits with demonstrations by the Historical Combat and Living History Society Brand Dove, who, along with a wobbly circus, will light up the evening. There'll be live music and compares on the night will be Cork's 96FM's PJ Coogan and Virgin Media's Derek Hartigan. To donate and for more information, go to idonate.ie forward slash Gary Hotel. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With corksimon.ie. Because everyone who calls Cork home should have one. Corks 96fm. Join the conversation. Text or WhatsApp 96 9696. This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. Fox 96 FM. 
Someone on the phone here says the reason why the voids are not up to standard is because the houses people live in are not up to standard generally. You'd be amazed there are whole estates who have problems with gutters, bad insulation, drafty windows and so on. I personally have had a problem with my porch that I'm trying to get sorted out for the past seven years and that's a valid point. But there are some voids that if an engineer or a health and safety consultant walked them and is prepared to certify them in the condition in which they're in you say to the potential tenant well look it's a bit drafty um, and it needs work but it's safe we're signing off on it then why can't you just reallocate it I don't go I don't go with this notion that you've got to bring every last void or every last vacant house up to 2023 standards with 26 inches of insulate and wrapped around you. I don't buy that. If an engineer signs it off as safe to live in, then away with you. Give it out. 0818 96 96 96. The chief medical officer has just come up here on the wires. The new chief medical officer, Professor Breda Smith, is asking parents to keep their children at home from school tomorrow if they have symptoms of respiratory illness. Most schools reopening Thursday after the Christmas break. We know the health service under severe pressure as a result of the combination of flu, COVID and RSB, RSV. And there's an adult strain of RSV going around at the moment. I speak as someone who almost certainly has it. The only thing that's keeping me on the air this morning, lads, is a, I know it might sound all right, the only thing that's keeping me going is a combination of salpidine and spite. But is it time, is it time to bring back, to bring back the masks? People were saying that. I see more and more people wearing them on the bus now over the Christmas. And certainly I came in this morning and, and wore one around my colleagues because... I'm not well, as I said. I'm, I'm only um, I'm only held together with salpidine and spice. Dermot, morning. Morning. How are you? Hi, down at the Greenwich Cafe. You've been making the point on Twitter. Is is everyone sick, or is anybody not sick at the moment? Um, yeah, well, it certainly was over the Christmas period. Anyway, just after Christmas, there seems to be a bit of a spike around. Everyone was kind of sick and and, and so forth and out and whatever, but. Uh, yeah, it seems to be that way at the minute, in a way, yeah. Do you think it's time to, to look at bringing back the face coverings? Um, I, I think so, yeah. I think especially in public places like the supermarket now yesterday, I saw more and more people wearing them, you know. Mm. I think it should be at, um, you know, people should kind of take their own discretion to kind of put them on again, I think. You know, I, I've started to uh, put them on in supermarkets and public places now as well. Mm. So I think it's, it's probably time, I do think, uh, for you know, the foreseeable future in a way, you know. Would you put one on on the bus if you take the bus? Um, I, I don't, but I, I certainly would if I took public transport. I definitely would, yeah. Uh, at the minute, I would, all right. Yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. we've been hearing in the last few days that it's unlikely the government will mandate it. We, yeah. So they're going to leave it as a choice. Is, is that foolhardy? Um, yeah, I think that's a, you know, I think it's up to, you know, people need to kind of take it at their own discretion as well and um, have have a bit of, you know, see what's going on around them. And, and especially in the supermarket, especially in public places, I, I definitely will be putting it back on for the next few weeks in a way, you know. Mm. Do, do you think, uh, I, though, I mean, the, the, the CMO is issued that statement now about tomorrow and the schools and people keeping their kids out of school, which is practical but impractical at the same time. 
She said before Christmas that people should look at wearing wearing masks in in public places on the bus, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But there's no there's no instruction. Do we need an instruction? Do you think? Um, I I don't think so. No, I think people just need to really be uh, more aware of it themselves as well. You know, especially going forward. You know, uh, for next next winter as well, just to you know be more aware of themselves and just wear wear the mask and 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 be more aware around them. You know, that's that's where that's why I think in a way. Um, you know, especially as I said, you know, public transport definitely. You know, and yeah. uh, so that's the, that's what I I think of it in a way. You know. All right, Dermot. Thank you, Dermot Sullivan of Greenwich. Cafe uh, downtown. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Yeah, Chief Medical Officer said it over the period Christmas period. Maybe it would be a good idea to wear uh, a mask on the bus or the train. And Dermot is saying, "Well, why not wear one going to the supermarket? I certainly have one on me today, or when I'm going around today, because in our morning meetings here this morning, I wore one because I, as I said, I've got something going on, and I don't want to spread it to my colleagues, and it's the least I can do to try to protect them." Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, Tony, not unrelated, uh, the CUHQs, and I know that. I started this morning by having a pop off Stephen Donnelly for standing in front of a group of reporters saying it's going to get worse before it gets better. I, I just thought it was a fairly throwaway remark and he should have thought about his words a bit more. We also got to acknowledge that there is a health uh, crisis, a, a CUR, sorry, an ED crisis, an emergency department crisis across Europe. There's any number of news websites will confirm that France, Germany, Switzerland, Britain, Norway, Sweden, you name it. There are crises across Europe at the moment. We should acknowledge that. We're not outliers here, but we're we're in a mess at the same time. Tony, morning. Good morning. What happened to you, sir? Me. I went I went to my doctor on a Tuesday and I had a, a spelling of the lake and I went to my doctor on Tuesday and my doctor examined me and he thought it was a class I was so he sent me, he gave me a letter for the matter. Yes. Private, so I'd known to the matter Tuesday evening, and they told me down there that, sorry, we won't be here till next Tuesday. They didn't know stop till here till next Tuesday. That was yesterday. Not Tuesday again. Yeah, yesterday. Huh? They wouldn't be back till Tuesday. So I suffered on Wednesday, and the next thing my son spotted and told me, so he said, you better go to the CWH. He said, to see what, because he said, funny swell, so he dropped up to see CWH to put that. On Thursday 29th, was it? Thursday 29th, so I went to he went to here. He said, Ring me if you'll be coming out, he said, I don't think you will, he says. And <clears throat> went in the end, got my number, they called me, Lord. and next thing I was in the queue, and there was those two hours sitting down before I went into the, the hospital size, you know what I mean? Before yeah. you called in, I went in the next. This nurse looked at me in here and she was taking details next. I sat down again next to the card and and next I was called for a blood test. Right. This was and was this the triage nurse, Tony, yeah? Sorry? Was this the triage, the first person that you see to see what priority you are, is that it? Yeah. Well yeah. was uh details take no all the details, you know. That was while suffering with nausea and things, that was the first one I met. She was going to be a radiologist, I said. Yeah, yeah. And next thing, yeah, I got the blood test on the yeah, and next I went out to sit down again. And I was there, and then there was nothing happening. Next thing, they called me to go for an x-ray. I was going to come back and sit down again. 
And next thing I was there for was the next day came down and they took my blood pressure. Mm. And they said, your blood pressure is very high. We'll have to give you tablets. They gave me two tablets to bring down the blood pressure. And they kept taking the blood pressure for about three times. Because they were so, so even though you were still sitting around, you were sort of being treated in that they were taking your blood pressure, you had seen a nurse, they were keeping an eye to you, like? Yeah, but I hadn't, I hadn't seen a doctor. I see. Yeah, I, had, I didn't see a doctor then. I was sitting on the chair then all night and the one I landed in to follow on then, it's the first thing I saw a doctor on course at the 12th and they sent me for a, a scan, a ultrasound actually and I got that and looking enough there was nothing showed up that the there was no tractor. Right. And then I was released about quarter past three then. Right. So that was quarter to two to quarter past three sitting on the chair, if you like. Yeah. Yeah. 20, yeah. 20 25 hours. Yeah, but I, I, did, I, I wasn't too bad, but the children who got through, yeah? Oh, yeah. The, 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 the children around the Christmas. And then there was one lady that then... There was, was loads of children crying. there, was there, Tom? Mm-hmm. There was loads of children there. Oh, I saw this girl being 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 let out at quarter past three in the morning and she went over to a, a child in the buggy. Oh, the name of God, is she managing the car park? I wouldn't do that all the morning. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. No, I don't know. There's cameras there, but still in Alex, she was on, I didn't see any husband with her. She was a husband, probably minding, you know, which I love him. I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, but there was this lady there from Klein and she was suffering with a back problem. I think it's a sissiosis. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, and she was there, and, uh, and she she was there from the same time, two o'clock. Scoliosis. Poor old creature, and she was going crying, That's and if she had to get the bus home, she was she was three miles from the bus. Wow, wow. She had to make sure that there'd be someone collect her. She's living in a very remote area, and she was a diabetic, and she was not needing no tablets at home. Okay. She was on seven tablets a day, mm-hmm. five in the morning and two in the. And she was in office there, all that. And she was and you know, you the know, day as well. Tony, the people that you saw along the way, the nurse that examined your leg, the person who sent you for the x-ray, and then the person who gave you the, the blood pressure tablets, they, I take it they were all very helpful along the way to you. Oh, they were helpful. Oh, geez, they were. Yeah. They were helpful, they were. But then again, I saw a lot of people then uh, passing me uh, the whole from the center of the... And they're passing me, and they're passing me, I didn't know where they were going to. <laughs> yeah, loaded down with paperwork. Yeah. I didn't know, know what was happening, do you know what I mean? I didn't know what was happening, do you know what I mean? I didn't know what was happening, do you know what I mean? I didn't know what was happening, do you know what I mean? I didn't know what was happening, do you know what I mean? I didn't know what was happening, do you know what I mean? I didn't know what was happening, do you know what I mean? Yeah, don't you know what I mean? No, but I felt, I felt they decided for the children. I mean, so they said they should have a way of looking after children. You know, they should have a priority for children in there. Yeah. They have a little paediatric area inside the, the famous double doors when, once you get in there. But... Oh, I see. I see. Sorry. But see, I see where the children were all there. No, like in that section. Yeah. And I was, I was sitting in the kind of a... There was numbers. When you get your uh, blood test, you come out, you sit down this chair, and that was your seat in for the day. That was your perch. I know, I know. Tough. Tiny, but like to the way the children were holding screen, there's a different uh, kind of a thing for children. Yeah, you know distressed what I mean? and upset and sick, and their parents were upset and trying to deal oh, with it all. Oh, they're yeah. stressed out to it, so you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I think we said they should give children a kind of priority, and I don't know, they're not... Uh, 
Well, you know what happens when they do, Tony, and I've had this conversation with people over the years, including, you know, my pal Chris Luke after after he retired there last year. You know, nothing drives the doctors more more crazy than a minister announcing they're going to come. And before you know it, there was neutrality to be seen, there was no chair to be seen, there's a smell of disinfectant duck a horse. The minister, I do you believe, Tony, that ministers should walk in unannounced at one or two in the morning and demand that's, to see what's going on? That's the, that's the way they should happen. Yeah. That's the way it should happen. You shouldn't don't tell them at all. You can walk in the that old demand to see when when things are happening. There was one nurse told me that in the section I was in, that night she was in, in charge of 50 patients and one doctor. Yeah. She told me that herself now. She, she had 50 patients to care her and mad. one doctor with her. And that's in one section of, one, of that day. Of the that's insane. 50 people and there's one doctor. One doctor and one nurse. I should be looking after her. That's insane. That's insane. Oh, yeah. She told me that yeah. Tony, I hope that your leg is okay now, is it? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm after getting, I had it up now. And you know what I'm doing now? I'm taking strawberries. Someone's always taking strawberries, bring down the sterling. So I didn't think that was well. Good man. All right, listen, hope you have good health. Thank you. Uh, 0818 96 96 29 hours he was in the ED at CUH. Just his observations from, from last week. People, they took, they took care of him along the way as best they could, but he didn't see a doctor until the following day and because you, you do nothing without a doctor you can't and that's rightly so you can't really be admitted or treated without the say so of a doctor all they can do is look after pain and all that without a doctor Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. 96 96 I you half the problem with doctors is down to the government the, co- the, the government payment they're in receipt of there's no incentive to see patients and phone consultations boggle the mind. How can they examine people over the phone? Yeah, there's a case for me, and there's a lot of that still going on, phone consultation. On housing and doing up voids and why they do it all up, when changeover happens in the private rental sector, they don't gut the houses. They clean, repaint, and maybe repair any faults. I live in a council house over 20 years. I still have my original kitchen. Same as my bathroom and still working perfect, says Eilish. There are four, another one, there are four vacant council houses in my estate with the past two years. They were stripped, repainted, new kitchens, and still they're lying there empty. Four years ago, the residents got brand new PVC doors. Last year, they were all taken out and new ones put in. So 30-odd doors, three years old, shoved out, and lobbed into the back of a truck to go to the dump. <sighs> Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96FM. You want to take up a new hobby in 2023? Talk about going to the gym and going to the pool and going here and going everywhere during the morning. 
Orienteering. I only ever remember orienteering as something we did on the Sunday when I was in the Scouts, and that ain't today nor yesterday. Tony is with Rochestown Orienteering. Terry. Morning. Yeah. Morning, Tony. Um, Terry here. Terry, uh, how are you? Peter, and a happy new year. And, and to good you. to hear you back on radio Thank after sitting in the rest. Thank you. Um, no, uh, Orient, uh, I was only following on from the lady earlier on who was saying, you know, um, struggling when he's eating chocolate, the Mars bar, and yes. I was struggling. And I'm coming from the point of view of the whole family. They're, they're looking, in lockdown, before lockdown, everybody was doing a bit. You know, kids were going to clubs and all the rest of it, and all sports are suffering from this. Uh, first lockdown, everyone wanted out because the weather was gorgeous. If yes. you remember, yeah, I do. You know, you were out yourself. You were talking about it and all the rest of it. Like you know, I mean, you kept us going during the time. Oh, my, my, I remember the the road outside my house during the first yeah. lockdown in the spring of 2020. Sure, it was like a, yeah. it was like an Olympic training ground with people up and down. Yeah. I'm telling you, I was I was heartened. I I organised this event up in, in Rochestown Woods, um, up above Mount Oval. Yeah, you, you probably have walked in it yourself. Is that what? Is the different? I would know that Gary Duff Woods up there. Is this yeah, it? well, uh, different people call it different things. Ah, Technically, right. it's old court wood. Some of us call it Rochestown Woods, and some people know it as the woods alongside of Gary Duff. Yeah, it's a, great, it's a great place. My, my wife place brings place the dogs up there all the time, yeah. Yeah, it's well, well used. I found this when I was going around, um, you know, putting out the controls and, and organising it and all the rest of it. And on Sunday, we were very grateful for all the people that turned out. 107 people turned up at our door. Mm. And uh, it was great. But where I'm actually coming from is the fact that we... Orienteering in Ireland is one of the few sports where a family of four or five or whatever of all ages, mm. it can be granny and granddad, and we have granny and granddads come along and they just go for a walk. Mm. Br- briefly, uh, Tony, what is it? Yeah, what sorry. is orienteering? Right, orienteering is uh, people would have called it a paper chase, long go kind of effort and um, people, as you remember yourself there, scouts come to us quite a lot. And we basically put some controls, they're called controls, they're little kites, out around in the forest. We then give people a piece of paper. Uh, at the lower levels, we just give them a little card that they can stamp at each one. There's a little thing like a stapler on it right. um, with holes in it. There's an orange and white kite. And there's a code hanging there as well. Okay. And you follow your way around the forest. Okay. For the easier controls, it's basically go around the four corners of the house. And and you're you're following this trail and you go up to this path and you turn left or you turn right. And the kids can do it. And you, I, I encourage the parents, leave the smallies, run on ahead of you. You're done within your sight. Yes. And leave them find it. And it's the... It, I've seen it, the joy of the children find this. I found it, Mum, I found it. Yes. And they're clicking in. And equally, as they get a little older, they're, they're, and they're, they have the ability to go off on their own. And I'm talking about, you know what I mean, 10, 12, 13, 16-year-olds, um, um, that they can go off and do these controls. And as they learn more, 
they'll use a compass, they'll learn geography, they'll learn to be a little bit independent from it, because uh-huh. there's plenty of us out there keeping an eye on them. You know, so it's it, 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 the levels go up then and it gets harder naturally. Mm. So you're, uh, as one or two came back to me and they said, we're supposed to start in January, lovely. You nearly killed us. <laughs> you know, I said, I said, that's what it's supposed to be at the higher levels. You're supposed to be challenged. Now, there are plenty of family-type courses. We have, um, at the top, we have brown, going down to blue, going down to uh, red, mm. green, and then at the bottom we'd have orange and yellow, which most of the families go out and enjoy it. They can, quite a lot of the places, you can go around with a buggy. I know. So, so, so Tony, if people wanted to get more information, I take it you'd be doing it again. When, when? Oh yeah, we're on Sunday. We're going to be doing it in Tremor Valley, which is an easy location sure. for your audience. And we would ask them because of the cost of printing maps that we don't want to have too many maps printed that we don't use. Um, if they go on to orienteering.ie, okay, they will then find Tremor Valley and they can book there. It's 15 euros for a family of four. We'll accept it for five as well. Excellent. And, you know, it's, it's a cheap enough event. And okay. all they need are wellies and an old coat if okay. it's, you know, going, going dirty gear. Tony, I'm going to leave it there for no reason other than time. It's an interesting that it is still there and people are still doing it and it's so, so popular. Orienteering.ie. It's a school subject in France. I'm, I'm being told here. Quick one from Susan before we go on the WhatsApp voice note. Just to let people know, there's a three-car collision just past Lakeview heading towards Cork. It's The cars are on both sides of the road, so just take it easy because they're round a bend. Susan, thank you for that. And you have a beautiful accent. That's it. Programme edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry with a bit of luck. If this thing holds out on me, I'll see you tomorrow just after nine. Corks 96 FM.